0: This is the Sports Divided Podcast.
1: The Chicago Bulls have won their
2: sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat.
0: Second two out, Palmeiro over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws out, and the White Sox have won the World Series.
3: the world champs in
0: 2011. The Cubs win the World Series. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. Welcome back to the Sports Divided Podcast. We're recording on Sunday, June Twenty eighth tonight we're joined by Dave Keith Matt and I'm your host Rick. All right guys, Uh, first topic we'll talk about is uh, have to do with COVID testing a little bit, Um, just because this past week at the PGA you had four uh, golfers who uh, withdrew due to either them themselves having tested positive for uh, COVID or their caddies testing positive for COVID. Um, The plus side on that, the tournament was still played and the tournament finished with Dustin Johnson winning at minus 19 under. So that's good. That's one positive is just the fact that they overlooked the COVID stuff and didn't shut down the whole tournament. But um, there's a – Denny McCarthy uh, was one guy who tested positive. He played his first round this week at the Travelers. And then felt weak. He went back, got tested, ended up testing positive. Uh, Grant McDowell withdrew on Thursday before the ter- or on Wednesday before the tournament started on Thursday because his caddy text- tested positive. And then both Brooks and Chase Kepka, Chase Kepka was a Monday qualifier. They both withdrew also on Wednesday because Brooks' caddy tested positive for COVID. The link to all that is they were all actually. Graham McDowell and both Kepkas were in a practice round group on Tuesday and Wednesday together. So. Well,
2: oh, that's pretty scary because, uh, man, I'm telling you, that, that should send, send uh, shockwaves, uh, uh, at the very least, a little tremor through the rest of sports. I mean, this is golf. <laughs> this is golf. You know, this is not close contact, anything. And uh, if it's happening like that, boy, that does not bode well
0: for the other sports. Well, the one thing that Jay, the commissioner of the PGA, was talking about was he was thinking that it was, the players were going to take it more serious. Like you could see the the two previous tournaments, they were, you know, halfway going through the guidelines. They were still giving each other high fives or fist bumps or shaking hands after the round. So there was still a lot of like personal contact that you usually see at a PGA. It just was without fans. So this past week they kind of uh, even toned that down to where, their caddies were handing them a club and then they were pretty much yelling back and forth at what they were going to do instead of standing right next to each other. So,
3: um, go ahead. that just came out today with the saying that they don't think it's being picked up by casual contact or contact office of like something you're touching or, or any of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, even if you think about even that, you know, the, the fist pubs or high fives or whatever—they're basically saying now, no, no, it's it's only the close contact stuff. So, which, which tells me that mm, I don't know. the golfers—they had to be.
0: Well, that I bet they weren't. Still, they probably still were going out to dinner or having, you know, mm-hmm. close contact inside the locker room with you. Like they weren't supposed to be. They're supposed to be going straight to their car and leaving. I guarantee you, they're still, you know, they're all at the same hotel or staying at the same houses right around the, you know, street type of thing. Um, they're probably meeting up and getting dinner. But I agree
3: with I. I agree with, with Keith. This is if if they can't recognize words coming from in that, and this is golf. Wow, <laughs> I'm not sure what that does for everybody else. That's not good. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a. Forced,
2: I mean, well, they don't even play foursomes. Uh, you know, it's two or three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah usually. Um, so you got six people plus who's ever keeping score for you. And I'm sure they've really reduced the numbers of anybody who's anywhere near them. And this has happened. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, now think about any of these other sports. Um, you know, you can't do golf, you can't do baseball. If you can't do baseball, you certainly can't do Basketball, hockey, or football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just something
1: that I think can spread way too quickly. You know, without without even knowing you have it. So If it's spreading in uh, the golf, uh, yeah, everything else isn't looking too good. I think they're gonna they're gonna push. They're gonna try to get things going uh, for sure. I know baseball's starting up and hockey and basketball. So we'll see. I mean, I'm interested to see how it all goes down.
3: Well the other thing that's key to that is what you know, what is in today's world that I can't I can't keep up, what's the incubation period right now that they're they saying is the most common? Because you know, it was fourteen days, right? And then people were saying it could be as as much as twenty-eight. I mean if it's twenty-eight, these guys weren't even practicing then. Yeah, well, well that's, if
0: it's twenty eight, all bets are off. Yeah. That's one thing too, is the PGA hasn't like done the, quote, bubble that these other sports are going to do, they can still go freely, you know, play week to week and go – if they're – like Webb Simpson won last week, took this week off, but he's back home with his family. He's not kept in a bubble and just taking the week off, you know. So, like, they still have all this, like, free ability to move, which might be leading to it also.
3: You just – you never know. If you're trying to track 28 days of activity, good luck. Yeah.
0: Well, on a little positive note when it comes to the PGA, like I said, Dustin Johnson won this week for the – won the Travelers um, Championship at TPC River uh, Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut. This is his 13th season with at least one win, which is fourth all-time for the longest string. You have Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, both tied at 17 straight seasons with at least one win. Uh, Billy Casper has 16 seasons. And then Tiger Woods and Lee Trevino both had 14 straight seasons with at least one win on tour. So even though Dustin hasn't won any majors and he's not looked at as like a powerhouse, the guy's obviously doing it for 13 years where he's at least playing winning golf. He's always in the mix. He just – doesn't get the big breaks or doesn't, you know. Look, to me,
2: that, that the biggest news out of that is that he's been around 13 years. Became a pro that, in 2008. That just
0: boggles my mind. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Phil, the longest string that Phil Mickelson ever had was 10 years from 04 to 13 with at least one. So Dustin's in, you know, if he can just be consistent, he'd have a lot more wins than he does. So be a lot bigger name. I mean, the guy's a big name, anyways. Just because he's got that, he's an athlete that's playing golf, kind of like Kapka. You can just tell by looking at him. But
1: well, he's also David Gretzky's daughter, so that doesn't yeah. hurt either. No,
0: not a celebrity
3: Who wasn't? <laughs>
0: he's he's well well liked and well spotted in St. Louis. There's a lot. The past couple years, there's been a lot of times where. Some of his off weeks, he comes here with the Gretzky because Gretzky has a house still here in St. Louis. And they'll come here and they'll see you'll see him at like some of the uh, driving ranges like Old Warson or some of the stuff down in the mm. Ledoux, Ledoux, uh corridor that's w- very wealthy. Mm-hmm. So he's a you know accepted St. Louis, and I guess you could say so on that note. Nice little segue into the NHL. So uh, the most rigged thing to happen in the NHL every year happened again this year, and uh, just happened Friday night with the draft lottery. Um, You're really salty about this, aren't you? Well, well, well. I mean, <laughs> let's be real. So when a team, the odds here. Here are the odds. Here we go. We got Detroit. Detroit. Detroit had a two hundred like 260 winning percentage. They had 18.5% to win the number one overall pick, and they ended up fourth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, I thought the rules said they couldn't even drop below third, and they ended up fourth.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: But, you know, I yeah, I do have a little, you know, we'll get to it a little bit here in a little bit. But so the, the percentages were the wings – were the highest percent at 18.5 to win the number one pick. Ottawa had 13.5 percent from their own season, and then they had 11.5 percent from the Sharks' season, which they got the first-round pick in the trade for Eric Carlson a couple off seasons ago. Um, the Kings nine and a half, Ducks eight and a half, Devils seven and a half, Sabers six and a half, and then you get into the qualifying losing teams, where they haven't really discussed who is A, B, C, D, E, F. G or anything like that. I'm assuming it's just going to go by worst record in the regular season then becomes A, so they have the best chance out of that group. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It works. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, you know, I got a theory on that one. So I think it's going to be handed to one of five teams. I think it's already done. It just depends. It'll be a coin toss at one point.
1: Do they do – when they do this lottery, is it is it like ping pong balls? No, they, like, they don't anything? show it.
0: That's what. That's what's so bad. They do not show a second of it. It's just they're flipping cards.
3: Well, the NBA used to show it. That did not mean a thing. Yeah, no. no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't think about that.
1: Then they had they had envelopes they had to pick from and freeze the envelopes
3: or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. I don't know. read the right Knicks?
3: Yeah, I mean, so, that's, right. yeah. It, it, that's what they didn't tell you. Yeah.
0: So then this is how it ended. Played out. The Sabers dropped from what they should have been the seventh to the eighth. Devils dropped from six to seven ducks from five to six uh the senators dropped from the two spot to the five spot the wings dropped from one to four uh the senators via the sharks deal got the exact pick they're supposed to the kings jumped from four to two and then a tbd to be determined qualifying losing team gets the number one pick and gets all right so, so since America's you're the only player. one who did
2: any research on this explain this so all those teams that didn't make the playoffs don't get none of them get
0: the number one pick. Nope, nope. It's over. Well, that
2: makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. So so what they'll do, they haven't said when. I think it it also depends on how the qualifying rounds play out. But it'll be between the qualifying round and the actual first round of the playoffs. They're going to have another lottery with the eight teams that lose out of the qualifying round. To see who ends up with that number one pick. Um, so, like I said, I think it's between five teams. <laughs> it's between five teams. Without there's no there's no ball that's going to happen. It'll be the loser of the Oilers Hawks series. <laughs> it'll be the loser of the Canadians Penguins, or the Leafs. Those are one. It'll be one of those five teams that end up with it. I will. I would put my. Life savings on it'll be one of those five teams that get it. I would lean towards as long as Montreal loses their series against the Penguins, I think they're probably going to get it. Just because he is a French kid, and it almost works out too well for them to all of a sudden get a generational type of player who's also French Canadian. Yeah, let's
1: talk about this guy, right? I don't I don't know much about him, so.
0: Let let me pull him up real quick. Alex. He's broke a bunch
3: of scoring records that belong to Crosby, right? Is this Um, uh,
2: Alexis uh, Lafreniere?
3: Yeah, Lafreniere. So he Mm -hmm. got –
0: I'll pull up his – I'll share his elite prospects. So he got what is called uh, exceptional status in the QHL or QMJHL, which is the Quebec uh, Major Junior League. So there's three major leagues in Canada. The CHL, or the in the CHL as an umbrella. It's the Western States League, the WHL, which comprises of pretty much anything west of Ontario um, is all in the one league. Then there's the OHL, which is just Ontario, um, and then you have the QHL or QMJHL, Q, uh, which is everything else in Canada east of uh, Ontario and north with all the French speaking uh, cities. So what happens when you get exceptional status is you're not allowed to technically play in the, in these leagues until you're 16. He was granted permission to play there as a 15 year old. Um, And as a 15 year old, he had 80 points Mm -hmm. in 60 games. Well, unless
2: there's uh, I mean, those, um, Height and weight stats might be a little inflated, but uh, he's a big kid for 18. Six yeah, uh,
0: yeah I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think they're too inflated. The French aren't big on inflating them because they're not big on toughness. It's a much more skill league. There's not many penalties that happen, not much fighting that happens. Um, but, yeah, so, like, this past year, in 52 games, he had 112 points. And it's not just – Goals like 35 goals, 77 assists. Like the guy, and I mean, for the queue, having 50 penalty minutes in the yeah. queue is yeah, he's he's a pretty rugged player, too. Like the guy's a yeah. pretty all, good all around player. Um, 10 points in five games at World Juniors, which is the biggest tournament to showcase young players before their draft years, um, or a year after their draft year. Canada took home the gold at the 20 at the World Juniors this year. Um is well, years the real deal. I have a buddy uh from Detroit and I was joke I jokingly tell him all the time I'm like it's rigged, you're not going to get him. They're not going to give him to Detroit even though you're the worst team in the league. He's going to end up somewhere in Canada or he's going to end up in a major market like Chicago or LA. And uh yeah, it sure looks like it's getting ready to happen. I mean, could you imagine him with McDavid and Dreisaitl or him with Malkin and Crosby? Oh, my God. The guy would have 40 goals as a rookie playing with those guys. And then I don't know if he would play with Kane because he's, he's technically a center. But him and Doc would be the next core for the Hawks if yeah, probably true. they swindle their way in there and – I mean, let's be real. The NHL is probably trying to hand Montreal back into the top of the league and Toronto into the cup. So I could see either of those teams happening.
1: How old is he now? He's –
0: He's at 18. I think he – yeah, I think he just turned 18, yeah. So he just turned – October 11th, he turned 18. So this is his first year eligibility draft. It says he's a left winger. I know he plays – he plays a lot – more center, at least he was. Um, maybe this is kind of projecting what he might play. But, yeah, he's a, uh, it's a pretty big guy. And, uh, um, yeah, I I would hate to see him in Chicago, but I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I have a bad feeling,
3: so. Well, we will see. <laughs> and
1: how,
3: was, how was the last thing? How it you spoke? Oh. Laughinier. I thought I saw that jersey today. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> it was dicks. Wait a minute. <laughs> Put an Indian head at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably. Speaking
1: of that, that Indian head might go away, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh God. Yeah, we're gonna avoid that. We're avoiding yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: All
0: but so the other thing, the other news that came out with the NHL uh, that came out Thursday was that they've narrowed the host cities down to six. Three in the U.S., three in Canada. There was only three on the list originally in Canada, so all three Canadian cities, Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver, are still in play. And the U.S., I just don't understand their selections if they're really
3: worried about COVID, with Chicago, L.A., and Las Vegas. Well, Chicago, the numbers are actually going down, but we're killing people faster (laughs) on <laughs> streets, it's, I mean, it, yeah. it kind of evens <laughs> off.
2: Yeah, actually, you know, uh, outside of that part of Chicago, the COVID nineteen thing, uh, Chicago is <laughs> probably the smartest uh, location right now. Yeah. Las Vegas oh, and um, you, yeah, the, well,
0: yeah, out of those three, but you, I'm, I'm just looking at it as like you you passed up on Columbus, which has facilities and they've had, they're small enough they don't have any COVID stuff going on. Raleigh, same type of thing, Pittsburgh, same type of thing, you know, like, yeah, but the players probably
2: said they didn't want to go to well that's place.
0: that's what it's coming <laughs> down it's coming down to the corporate dollar, <laughs> but they're saying there's rumors that the leading can uh, leading cities are the Eastern Conference will play in Las Vegas, and the Western Conference is likely to play in Vancouver, so both will actually be in.
3: You know, the far west. That's it, right. You know. East in Las Vegas. That's going to be hell TV-wise for the East Coast.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's either Vegas. Either or you're playing at 10 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas. Well, I was going to say, it's, yeah.
0: it's Vegas, so you can start a game at 3 or 2, and it's 5 o'clock yeah. in the East. Yeah. So, you know, you can have two games. You can have one start at 5 and one start at – or I guess maybe – one starts at three thirty, and one starts at nine, no different than some of the other playoffs that happen when you have St. Louis, Chicago starting at eight 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens to us a lot, so they can deal with it for a little bit. So that's, that's the latest with the NHL. Hey fans. I know you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're available everywhere. Podcasts are found. Um, The MLB is back, and I think we can say officially since they report in three days. (laughs) I don't – I just don't see – I don't see them stopping it now. I don't see anybody stopping it. I don't see – unless you have a hundreds of thousands spike with COVID – I don't even know if that's going to – I think every. I think owners and players are to the point where they're just like, you know what, we want to play or we want the money more than play probably. Yeah. And
3: – Yeah, they're all about the money right now. We'll just, yeah, we'll just
0: take the bullet and we'll take the risk and do what we got to do. So.
2: Well, especially with 60-man rosters. I mean, that uh,
0: pretty much tells you right there. Yeah. You're uh, planning for the worst. Well – yeah, so, that, so get, that's a perfect segue because that was going to be the number two topic, but we'll jump past – we'll talk about the games and the way they break it down here in a bit. But So a team will have a 30-man active roster um, for the first two weeks of the regular season. After two weeks, it'll drop down to 28. After four weeks, it'll drop down to 26 men on their active roster. Um, any road team – so any team that's on the road – bring up to three taxi players if they bring up to three one has to be a catcher so they can technically bring 29 guys on the road one of those has to be a third or fourth catcher whatever whatever the extra number is for a catcher um and then you get two two extra guys so that's the way the roster is going to break down they also said that there will be a August thirty first trade deadline, so Arenado to the Cardinals is looking even more and more possible.
2: <laughs> um, you know what, though, that'll happen, and then uh, he'll come down with COVID nineteen, and then he won't be able to play.
0: Yeah, uh, but we yeah. still got him for seven more years, so we're okay.
2: Oh, true, true. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so as far as you know, usually the deadline is everybody has to be on the roster September first to be able to to be postseason eligible. Um, due to the later start, they pushed it back. So, September fifteenth is that deadline that everybody has to be has to be active on your roster uh, to be able to play in the postseason. Uh, they're keeping the ten day DL. They're changing the sixty day DL to a reduced forty five day DL because the season's shorter. And then there will be a separate IL list. Um, for COVID. So there's no timetable on that. They'll just be on a COVID list. Whether they've been exposed, showing symptoms, tested positive, doesn't matter. They'll instantly be put on that, kind of put in quarantine. Um, and they're testing the players every other day for that. So, you know, Jack Flaherty starts in three days and he goes in two days before and gets tested. Well, it looks like Jack Flaherty's not starting anymore. Yeah. He's out for an undefined period of time. Oh, yeah, and you figure, you, you know, if you
2: test positive, you're going to be out for at least 14 days, you know. So. Yeah.
1: I think pitching will be interesting this year, for sure, just to watch how they – if a lot of teams go with what they tried a couple of years, the last couple of years with the opener rather than a closer, get a oh, guy I- pitch one or two innings, and then you go to a starter who then maybe pitches three or four, and then you go to your bullpen – He's kind of ride your, your bullpen from there. I, I think, think it's going to be interesting to see how
0: they, they strategically do this. I think it's going to be guys going two, three innings max every other, every third. Like, I think, yeah. honestly, look at, like, the Cardinals release their roster. Looking at the roster, I could see, like, they te- they team up, like, Flaherty and Martinez. They're going every, every third day, both of them are going two to three innings. Yeah. yeah. It makes,
4: it makes sense, yeah. I mean, because
0: if you think about it, You throw two or three innings at max, max, like, effort, you'll be okay in two or three more days. Usually you're throwing a bullpen anyways at 75% after throwing eight innings.
2: Well, you know, and uh, managers will be less likely, you know, I mean, early in the season, you know, your starting pitcher gets rocked in the first, second inning. You know, you're down 6 nothing, and it's like, "Ah, well, you know, you're just going to have to uh, take one for the team. You know, if there are any signs of uh, – you know, a big inning, they may quick, uh, you know, get the hook out and, and because you can't throw away games. No, you know? it's I true. mean, it's, spring, if, yeah. if you, if you go one and six or two and five in that first week, you're toast, you're done, you know? Well,
0: you could, th- I mean, let's be real. You can see somebody having 40 wins out of 60. So mm. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a struggle. You could also see a team that wins 30 games or less just because – and plus, with the, they didn't say exactly get into full details of expanded playoffs. They're going to be expanded. They didn't say how many teams yet or anything like that.
1: There's going to be um, some 500 teams for sure. Oh, like yeah. I would think.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Well, especially the way they're breaking it down. So you play 10 games against all four of your divisional opponents. So there's 40 of your games inside your division. Then you play the other 20 against the opposite division league. So the AL Central plays the NL Central 20 times. So you play each of those five teams, you know, four times. So it also breaks it down to where it's a little more even of who you're playing all the time. Like it's not, you know, no offense to the White Sox when I say this, but in two thousand what, 15, 16, when the Cardinals were having to play the Royals six times and the Cubs got away with playing the Sox six times. That oh, that kind of goes out to – like, and because you were also playing the AL East. So you played every AL East team, but then you played your rival, you know, those, those six times. So it gets away from that. So wouldn't be surprised if you see this from now on this way where they just get rid of that rival and uh, make it –
3: a little more. Well, the other thing you're going to see roster-wise is, you know, because they are talking here and stuff like that, you know, with this man starting on second base. No, oh, we were getting there. That was the yeah. next topic. <laughs> Cubs got a guy in a minor league that's stealing 50, 60 bases, and he hits some, okay? But, yeah, so need I don't on second. second base and then yeah. –
0: that's, that's a rule, though. You can't make a – so it has to be the same guy that made the last out in the inning. Oh, that's right. That's you can't right. pinch run. Yeah. So he can't right. go in there for him yeah. like that. So that's at least one thing they actually thought about, I guess. Yeah. Because then everything's going to – If
3: you you, know, you want to give up, you know, if there's nobody on in two outs, you can send him in to pinch hit and strike out, and he, he goes to the second inning.
0: Like yeah. Yeah, but what if it's Schwarber up? Uh, who, could we, end the, who could end the game then? I'm just saying ifs, but you yeah, know. Yeah, no,
3: yeah. There's some yeah. scenarios where I could see some team carrying a speedster just. Oh, yeah. You know, to try and work that, uh, have that you know, advantage. I mean, you put the guy, you put some of those guys out on second, you might as well put them on third.
0: Yeah, Lane Thomas, so. Harrison Bader for the Cardinals.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, it's let's be real.
0: Bader's going to make the last out probably, anyways, if he's batting. <laughs> so you don't even have to worry about subbing him in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or he could just do the Rodney dangerfield thing whoever made the last out in their second base just as you know they pretend like they're going to run and they oh 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 my hamstring my hamstring yeah. then you have to have a pinch runner and then dave uh, your guy gets uh, in the game there you go i mean it's,
3: you know somebody's going to figure out a way i mean it's, yeah oh yeah well okay, I, the astros
0: yeah i think <laughs> i think the rule is you can't sub them after the first batter or you can sub them after the first batter so, what it would be is you just try to bunt the guy over right away, and then wow. you pinch run there, so a sack fly, and you got a guy that's going
3: to – Any kind of sack fly. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know. Hey, do they also, though,
2: with this runner at second, do they do what uh, I'm familiar with where there's also one out?
0: No. <laughs> oh, so it's – So, they did not adapt that part, at least from what they're saying, they did not adapt that part from – because let's be real, hmm. they stole this from – they say they got it from the minor leagues. Well, they actually took it from slow pitch softball. Yeah, that's yeah, where it my spotter. That's what it was. It was
2: runner on second with one out. Yeah, but, but as long as both teams have to have it, uh, you know, it's it's fair. Yeah.
0: Well. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know how to feel about it. though.
1: So. I'm at the point where just this year is so like. Out of the ordinary anyways, just throw everything in there. Just do all the weird stuff. Let's well, just I, think that's, what,
0: I think that's what they're doing. They're they're throwing stuff out there to test to see if people like it and it sticks.
1: Yeah, let's do some like laser strike zone. Let's do, you know, let's just try it all. Try it all. I you
2: know well they are are they also doing the re-entry thing where players can come back in the game? I, I read I thought I read something about that, that players can come back in the game. Oh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. No, I didn't see anything about that. that
3: okay.
2: No. Okay. I don't know if they were still talking about that, but uh, that yeah, would be that would be
0: interesting. Yeah. That would, be, that would, yeah. But that that would be for sure. Well, I could see it if it's the, like the, a, the
3: obviously is how many people get sick. I mean, it's you know, if you're the Dodgers, if some of you, you're the Dodgers. You're so deep. Yeah, you're you're, you're going to be pretty good. If you're, you know, you know, just you know, trying to respond, you look at. Cubs, Cardinals, people who are—they're there, they're, they're here, and stuff. But you know, the the wrong three guys walk in the door with COVID, and <laughs> it's just suddenly you're not—you're uh, not anything anymore.
0: But also, mm-hmm. if the right three guys walk in for the Cardinals, you know that could be—say Fowler gets it, and uh, Brett Cecil gets it, and mm-hmm. you know,
2: and Bader, yeah, then we're then we're good. Mac, yeah, Matt
0: Carpenter. Mm-hmm. If those three <laughs> walk in with it, then you got. You got Dylan Carlson, and you got Tommy Edmond and you got, you know, Enesis Cabrera lined up right there for those three guys. I'm okay with that swap. (laughs) But so the one thing, realistically, the only thing that the uh, owners finally gave way on was the players are getting paid a full prorated salary. So, with 60 games, it breaks down to about uh, 37% of their full season salary is what they're going to get. So, you know. So, we need to start some GoFundMe pages? Yeah. So I, hurt, I, hurt I, was gonna say, I was going to say, they're, they're not going to be hurting, but at the same time, I guarantee you the owners are going to be making a lot more money off of a new slash unique TV deal with all these games that are going to be happening on TV yeah. and only TV. So. Mm. Oh, speaking of
2: that, did you guys see that – my understanding is that the road broadcast crews will not be allowed. Yeah, to, the only uh, broadcast is going to be the home.
0: Yeah. I, so I listened to this morning show here in St. Louis, um, and the Cardinals sideline guy from Fox Sports, Jim Hayes, is on that morning show, and he was talking about that. That Yeah, they're. they're what they're hearing at Fox Sports Midwest is that – On away games, they'll have to be announcing from, like, their Fox Sports Midwest studio in Ballpark Village. Right. Which is going to be – I don't know. It's TV. Why don't you just share a news – share a feed and just – I don't – well, then I guess I don't want to listen to, you know, Brenneman the entire time when it's a Cards Cards Reds game. I'm not exactly the biggest –
3: Nobody, nobody wants to listen to brethren. We don't either. nobody. But no. you know
0: what I mean? Like, you don't want to be hearing that the whole – you know, it's not like a spring training game where it really doesn't matter. Like how they do – you know, they do that in spring sometimes. But the, the other thing is there's talks here in St. Louis. I know the White Sox have talked about it and so have a lot of major league teams. The Cubs have not officially said anything – but some of these organizations are having talks about whether they can get 30% of that stadium filled with fans.
3: I yeah, well, the Craig Kenny was on this week.
0: Did he come on? Okay.
3: They were talking about how to get 8,000 into the ballpark.
0: Which is what, roughly 12%, 15% for them probably? Yeah,
3: the capacity is only 36
2: Yeah, okay. They're talking about maybe so, just a lower uh, lower deck or something?
0: Well, he didn't get into detail. Well, so – They were talking about it here in St. Louis and what they're talking about is obviously everybody's, we've all been in St. Louis well enough, obviously to where you've seen Bush and you know how big those sections are where they're talking about, they would have about 10 to 15 people per section at a, in a section. So, I mean, that's not going to really do much for an atmosphere. So it's better than the cardboard cutouts they're talking about. I say, it's better than a completely <laughs> – empty. I mean, a couple years ago, the Oreos played, I think it was the A's in Baltimore in an empty stadium because of some of the social unrest that was going on in Baltimore at that time. And uh, it was pretty much like they were playing golf. And Gary Thorne even announced a uh, play, a double from Adam Jones as if he was at Augusta. He was whispering into the
3: mic, <laughs> and, uh, and Adam Jones
0: whacks the ball off the center field wall, and he stands up at second. And I'm going to you golf
3: give, one, give you one more insight that was on, on that interview with Craig Kenny, who well, I usually shut off because I don't like the guy. Yeah. But, yeah listen to him. He uh, comes up with others. Besides the 8,000, he wouldn't go into details. He did say there'd be no cardboard cutoffs, that they didn't spend a half a billion dollars to make the ballpark look like brand new again to put cardboard stuff, people in the seats he was very adamant about that but he was also very clear about the fact that the rooftops will function under a completely different city directive
1: yep.
3: so each of those rooftops may be allowed 50 people <clears throat> and, and now basically they own I think there's only a handful they do not own at this point but uh, right better so, better, so
0: what happens if the mlb comes in and mandates Zero fans. Can the, does that count the rooftops? Because technically the Cubs count that as attendance numbers. No, they don't. They,
3: you, they cannot count them as attendance. Oh, I thought now.
0: they did count the rooftop ah. seats as attendance. Nope. Oh. That's, why you,
3: that's why you haven't seen the attendance move to 40, 42,000, gotcha. 43,000. Mm. They cannot. Right. right? They count it as revenue, though.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> it is revenue. So they te- okay, so maybe that's what I've seen it as. It's, quote, ticket revenue, but it's not.
3: Yes. Okay, okay. They can't count it as attendance because it's outside the ballpark. So gotcha. you could put 50 on each of those rooftops, and now suddenly you've got another five, eight grand of people sitting out there, not not that far away if, if you look at some of the ballparks that are out there. So it could be you put 8,000 inside and 5,000 on the rooftops, you'll hear it a little bit.
2: Yeah, better, better than nothing. Yes. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll help. I mean, well, maybe not help. It'll be at least some sort of noise that isn't just cars honking in the street.
2: But is there going to be pushback from some of the uh, teams that aren't able to do that?
0: That's what I, that's why I was wondering if there'd be a mandated
2: where where it's either nobody, you know, either everybody has a chance to put people in the stands or Nobody is there no matter what.
3: I think you might see that, you know, and so that, uh, but if, if everybody's allowed a percentage, the Cubs will you know, get away with a lot more because of the rooftops. It's just a unique situation. I mean, it's.
1: What about all the suites, too? I mean, couldn't they, couldn't they rent suites out to a family? Of, you know, you're living at home together, you go into a suite and watch a game from there, you're pretty separated from the rest of
2: the fans, so. Yeah. That's a good question. I wonder, like, you know, family family of the players, uh, is, is that is that a separate category than fans? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're allowed to have – well, I guess, I mean, they're not making them stay in hotels, right?
3: They haven't said that, so. And, like, the, the hotel by Wrigley that's next – the restaurants are going to open, and they think they open this weekend. The restaurants across from uh, across the Parkway. The hotel itself will not open, though. Hmm. They determined it, they couldn't, for the amount of people they'd be allowed to have in there, it wasn't financially reasonable to open a hotel at this point.
0: Hmm.
3: So, but but the restaurants will be open in there, the three of them.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming those restaurants—they'll every game day—they'll be completely packed with uh, people who want to just be. Down around the the ballpark.
3: <clears throat> well, and, you know that's where Chicago, that's where the Cubs and the Cardinals will be very similar. you've got all that, you know, extra people around the stadium, if you will, now because of yeah, ball know, park village, down mm-hmm. to the, the the two areas, um, and depending on what the rules are, you know, in the end of July, beginning of August, it'll be interesting to see how many the atmosphere around the stadium may be also pretty loud.
0: Yeah. Very true. Um, well, speaking of ballparks and people that are technically supposed to have a uh, percent allowed in, has anybody seen the new Texas Rangers facility?
1: I saw, I saw the article briefly. I didn't,
0: I didn't really look into it. So, much. so uh, th- this is what it looks like right here. It's a metal roof. Um, and this – this is what the Texas taxpayers approved. That doesn't look exactly metal there oh. with the glass. Mm-hmm. Looks like, looks like these, uh, the Rangers fans in Arlington got a little, uh, little hosed with the actual product itself. <laughs> looks like one of those industrial
2: parks. It looks mm-hmm. like a warehouse, yeah. Yeah,
0: it looks like tin a warehouse. Roof, the tin roof warehouses.
2: So... <laughs> Wow! So loud when
1: it's raining, right? Oh my!
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a retractable roof too. That doesn't—it's supposed to be. That doesn't exactly look like it's retractable. I
1: don't see any? Yeah,
0: or if it is retractable, it's gonna rust every time you try to move it. <laughs> you know, everything's bigger and better in Texas, right?
2: Yeah.
0: All Getting right. COVID. So we will move on to. uh the topic that we all did a little research on, which is our top top four fictional sports characters. Um, so we'll start. We'll go in the order of uh, Matt, Dave, <laughs> Keith, and then I'll go last. Uh, I, sw- I promise that Mount Rushmore um, that you guys are seeing is not any sort of uh, meant to be lead into who everybody had i had found that picture before i uh i got everybody's answers for this so we'll start with matt's matt's uh number four um on his mount rushmore of fictional sports characters
1: yeah so it's it's uh it's happy gilmore uh it's it's just one of those it's a great movie and i i geared towards comedies anyways um but there's just some some quotes in there and, and even with you'll go anywhere you go to top golf you go to a driving range and there's somebody today still doing the happy gilmore drive right and they even put up signs to say like, oh no
0: happy gilmore oh yeah
1: happy Gilmore. So <laughs> <laughs> like the movie has inspired the actual sport and i think if it's a professional golfer had done one once at a tournament or something i don't know so the movie was just – it was so popular. He yeah, got Bob Barker in there. I was going
0: to say, he fights Bob Barker, so that's yeah. – And Bob Barker yeah. wins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said, he has, like, whether it's an actual, you know, why won't you go home? Why don't you go to your home ball? Yeah. Or it's where he walks up to the table the first time. He's like, oh, I'm a hockey player. I'm playing golf today, though. Yeah. Or he goes and he tries to win – it. he wins a trophy and he asks – you think the trophy guy will switch this out for a hockey player? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just there's line after line after line, and yeah, it was just was, in his head
1: do with all the all the Billy Madison and all the other
0: movies. Yeah, he was my number
1: five. Yeah, he couldn't so. do anything, couldn't do any wrong. So it was just, just a great movie all around, funny but still like I think the what Shooter McGavin, I think his name or is the. Yep. Shooter. Guy, you know, yeah. I mean, he's great, too. Like, that character in that movie was so good. The, the back and forth with them.
0: So. Yeah. It's, it David is a very good movie. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to Dave's number four. Dave's number four. A corner yeah.
3: man. <laughs> What's that? I said it's a corner man. It's a corner man. And it, it, you know, I, I always have to explain myself when I start these things and. And what I did because I realized a little bit of way into putting these together, I generally don't like fictional sports movies. I have I have, I have to you know be honest and say most of these most of the movies I've never sat all the way through. I've seen parts of them, I've seen clips of them, I've watched the beginning, I've watched the end, but I don't care for the movies. I I really don't know why, but it's it's just. It's just true. Um, you want the
1: real inspirational movie that of a live an actual sporting event or
3: something. Yeah, I I guess I prefer the reality, you know, type of thing. And it's uh, it, it's weird, you know. It kind of hit me when I was going through here. And you know, the ones I do like, most of the characters I like in there aren't the athletes. It's somebody else in the you know in the movie that makes the movie work. You know, mm-hmm. if you will. And you know, I I mean, basically, I could have picked. A top six, and they all would have been out of the same three movies. Uh, you know, so, so I mean, for me, you know, the, the you know the corner man for me. You know, we go to Rocky, and uh, you know we you know go to Mickey Goldmill, and, and again, you know, when Rocky came out, you know, boxing was still pretty hot, and and boxing was such a huge thing growing up as a kid. You know, on TV, on radio, everywhere that was there in the news. Yeah, it's you know it it rivaled all the ma- major sports, especially when you had a, a big time you know heavyweight uh, bouts and stuff like that. And you know the you look at the job that Burgess Meredith did in there with the you know the raspy voice and the crooked smile, and you know he looked like he's been beat the hell up his whole life. And you know he's kind of like a, a life whisperer to you know to Rocky, who's you know not the not exactly you know the leading member of Mensa in the area. It could really use some guidance and stuff and, you know, to me, I always looked at that and it was like, this is what the fight game is about. It's, you know, you've got this boxer or somebody who's got this raw talent and stuff like that, but you had a lot more skilled boxers at the time, but you got these guys, you know, like, the, like his corner man who basically, my understanding was it was based on the real life story of Custom Auto, who was basically was Tyson's guy, you know, growing up and, and stuff like that, and it's it just it fit a character and um, the other thing I, I had for all four of my picks, and it'll, it'll come back is the characters that I did pick that work for me, they work because of somebody, uh, like in you know, somebody else in the movie that makes it work. And you know, for the character of Mickey to work, you need uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone's character of Rocky, um, because. Rocky needs somebody. He's, he's, he can't get through this on his own. You know, when, when the gangsters come in and talk to it they just go right over his head. I mean, he's, he's just an average guy, you know, at best. And he really needs the encouragement. And, you know, for me, the, the heart of that story is the, you know, the, the speech before you know, he gets out, you know, to go off for his, you know, his biggest fight and something to get ready. And that. it's one works because of the other. But you know, in this case, my number four is 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 Mickey Goldmill and and what he brings to that you know that movie.
0: Yeah, it's a lo- it's a lovable loser, right? I mean, for the most part, that's what
3: everybody's got a chance. I could have been a contender. You know, it's it, that's. I mean, that that's really what boxing was. Was you know, it was a way out. You know, more so than some of the other big time sports at that point because if you could go and show big time in the gold, you know, Golden Gloves in your, in your city, you win a chance to make some money. Well,
0: and if you could just throw a punch, I mean, right? The saying is a puncher's chance. Anybody can land one to knock somebody out.
3: It's, that's what, The whole series is based on that.
0: Yep.
3: Exactly. And it, and it, and it has happened. So, so that's my number four. All right. We will move on. To Keith's number four.
0: So Keith. Well, first off, uh,
2: l- let me just say, I almost had uh, uh, Mick there as my uh, number four on my list. Um, for all the reasons uh, Dave mentioned, you know, uh, just boy, what a character in that movie. And uh, uh, it just brought it all together. Uh, like Dave said, uh, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what Rocky uh, needed. So, um, yeah, so I'm right there with, uh, Mick. I, <laughs> I, uh, this, this whole category, this whole thing was really tough because now see I'm the opposite of Dave. I, I love these movies. I love, uh, uh, Caddyshack, Bull Durham, uh, uh, Talladega Nights and, uh, Major League and, um, you know, almost to the point, I mean, we all watch those and, you know, you know, all the lines, you know, you could just go along with it. Um. And uh, so – but I also – it it was difficult to pick a character from some of these. As a matter of fact, my number one, uh, I was almost going to just say, you know what, Uh, uh, heck with it. Uh, It's the movie? Yeah, I'm just going to include the entire cast of Caddyshack. (laughs) uh, So – but anyway, so along those same lines, though, I I had a tie in uh, Major League, and um, so I got (laughs) – Harry Doyle, of course, uh, who really is uh, kind of the glue in the movie, uh, bringing you, uh, you know, taking you along the the ride, and uh, uh, of course, the you know, just the bit outside, and I got you know the whole list of uh, uh, all these uh, here. But
0: uh, I think one of the most underrated comments he makes is he pull they they start losing, he pulls out the bottle the giant bottle of Jack Daniels and. Uh, <laughs> Major League Two, and he says, "I think what is it? I don't know if his name's Bobby or whatever." He's like, "Wake me up in September," because <laughs> he was just yeah, gonna drink uh, his way through the season. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, Heywood uh, leads the league in most offensive categories, including nose hair. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, it's just just fun. And then, uh, and then uh, Pedro Serrano, uh, not so much uh, because of the lines, uh, you know. And see, I'm trying to decide here. Is it also because, uh, you know, later in life, you know, uh, he becomes the state farm guy and the president on 24, uh, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, my favorite line is when, uh, you know, in the championship game when he basically says, you know, uh, screw Joe Boo, you know, I do it on my own, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I probably should have picked uh, Harry just by himself, but uh I really like uh, Pedro and his, uh, the, the, you know, his sacrifices oh. and his rituals at his locker. Yeah, and
0: yeah it's so <laughs> he still has some great quotes too, where he's talking about he takes uh, Doran's head cover of his driver and says, "Oh, hats for bats." <laughs> 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 so I mean,
2: uh, it's that is, it's just such a great movie. It's just you know. Well, and it's
0: not even just it's the whole series. Like the well. I guess I don't want to say the whole series because major league three wasn't the greatest, but the first two were, mm. were pretty good. Yeah.
2: Um, and, you know, Ricky Vaughn uh, should have, you know, he, he's probably right up there too, but uh, yeah. I guess, uh, some of these so tough, you know, cause uh, how do you, how do you choose uh, some of the characters?
0: Yeah. We'll continue with them. Cause uh, my, my two are two different <laughs> ones with Lou Brown and Rick, Ricky wild thing Vaughn, not, not the clean cut Vaughn. It's gotta be the uh the wild one, you know, whether it's the <laughs> him throwing a fastball and he rips the head off the metal batting guy or, you know, Lou Brown's trying to sell a guy white wall tires and as he's accepting the job to be a manager and mm-hmm. and and the line that sticks out for me the most in uh major league two is Lou, uh, Lou's giving the speech in this locker room. In the locker room, when he's talking about how they're not a team, and it's it's a knee thing, or it's a religious thing, or it's an arm thing, and he like chokes. He goes, or it's a heart attack. And Jake Taylor looks at him, and goes, "Who used heart attack?" And he says, "Me." And he falls over. <laughs> and then he's in his bed. Taylor takes over as a manager, and he's in his bed the whole time, and he's listening to the game on the radio he's not supposed to be and he's watching the soap operas and he's going nuts and these nurses come in and he just keeps saying, Oh, these soaps, I love these things. They really get me going. But he's really <laughs> listening to the, the game the whole time. So He he really does come across as a
2: real major league man. I mean he does. He he it off that,
0: man. that time period. Like that, yeah. that's exactly what I think of when I think of like I mean even what was a gardener hire in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the type of guy I think of, or you know, you're thinking of like Charlie Manuel a little bit, type of like it's you know, old school. You know? Exactly. Raspy voice because they're out at the bars and smoking cigs all night, every night after yeah. the games. And
1: who's that tiger? Who's the tiger's uh his manager too? I know he was he used to smoke cigarettes in Sparky the Sparky Amateur. Oh
2: the dugout but then they, they, oh, uh, they told me he couldn't smoke in the dugout anymore jim leland <laughs> yeah jim leland that's uh, right honestly, he used yeah. to smoke on the dug in the dugout <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know He's right in the vein with all those guys you know. exactly so we'll move on so matt's number three uh
1: my number three is uh benny the jet rodriguez from Sandlots. so this is one of those movies that you watch it, and it just it it does such a good job. Kind of like the Christmas Story when you watch that, where you just feel like you're a kid, and it's like old school, like baseball, and you know. And he was obviously the best, the baseball player of the team. Ends up being, you know, playing for the L.A. Dodgers later on in the movie, but. You know, you're playing in this old lot, and behind the the fence, there's this big dog, and you know, they hit the ball over there, and they're using Babe Ruth's ball, and then he's the guy that has to hop the fence to go get it back. And it's just one of those like feel good, great, great movies. Uh, and I think sports movies, when I think of you know fictional sports movies, that's one of the ones that comes to my mind most. Um,
0: he's a Sandlot legend, the PF yeah. Flyers.
1: Yeah, it's just the. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so good. I mean, there, there's a bunch of characters from that movie, too. Uh, Smalls, and I can't even think of the, the little... Order, the catcher. Thing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: or you got yeah Yaya yeah, Short, who, you know, his name <laughs> says it all. He's always saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> Squints Paladoris who sneaks out a kiss from a lifeguard. Guy was a genius.
1: Oh, yeah, right? <laughs>
0: So we'll move on to Dave's Dave's number three. Uh, he ended
3: up being on this Mount Rushmore, but uh, you know. Yeah, my, my number three is is Carl Speckler, who's Bill Murray, and uh, it's you know it's weird, like you know, like you said, kids, you love these movies and I I particularly don't. But Candy Shack is the one that I don't even put with the rest of these movies. It's like a it's a whole entity into itself. It's it's, it's like it's its own, uh, you know, genre because it it just kind of, it goes so far beyond the, you know, the the sport that's in that movie. Yeah. It it would have worked for anything. Uh, just the lines that were in it and stuff. And, you know, when I talked about how you have a character that works and works and sometimes works better or only works because of another character and, and in this movie, to, you know, to me, the, where that really stands out is when you've got uh, Bill Murray, you got Carl, and you got Ty Webb in, in Carl's house at night when Ty hits the ball in there. And, they you know, they come in and they go through the whole fireball and, and uh... Kettleball, kettleball here. Uh, no, I don't want to say, I don't want to stick to anything. And, uh, you, you know, and, uh... You know, they don't say that about you, as far as you know. Yeah. So, so, and it turns out when I read about it, that scene wasn't even in the movie. No. It was I'll just add look. All improv. Yeah, that, yeah that's, why,
0: that's why I think the line that sticks out the most yeah. is where he goes, well, you got a pool over there, right? Yeah, we got yeah. a pond also. Pond would be good for you.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the two of them did not like each other. The, the two of them, they, they had a feud going back to Saturday Night Live. And Bill Murray was only supposed to have a small role in this movie, but they kept calling him back every every Monday after Saturday Night Live, you know, to, to do more. They stuck. The, they had a, a, Harold Ramos had a, a general premise about what was going to happen in there, and sent the two of them in there and said basically, "Go you know, do it," you know. So that, and then every line in that whole scene was ad-libbed. None of it. None of it was part of the original movie, and you, you know you you you've got the absolute antithesis. You've got respect who you, you know, don't even want to walk past. Cause you figure if you catch something and, and you got Ty Webb well, who's just got, you know, $40,000 checks he hasn't cashed and, and and stuff like that. I mean, so it's, it's really a yin and yang. And, you know, you, I mean, a lot of that movie works because of everybody else. And, you know, Bill Murray works off of, you know, almost everybody in that movie at one time or another. Uh, uh, and so, I and mean, Rodney Dangerfield is one of my all-time favorite comedians. So, it's, you know, they, it really worked out well for me. But the the whole scene in there, and then him and and, uh, and Chevy Chase, that to me is is why you know that, that movie works overall. It's, it's just you're playing one extreme against the other, and it's it's just hilarious. I'll I'll save some quotes for later because I know
0: he's coming back up, coming back around eventually. But yeah, see, he was uh, uh, for it to be so improv based, the whole movie with some of
3: those guys, it just did. Uh, I don't oh, know. It made it great. I had a piece, I had a piece of trivia that came up. It only when I was going through, it, I said, God, I never knew that." And I don't know if it. What was Judge Smale's first name? Oh, you know,
2: I didn't know what that was until I was researching this. And now I, I saw it and I and I thought this. I was like, oh, I didn't know, even uh, know he had a first name, you know. It wasn't. Was it Elias?
3: Oh, I-H-U. Whatever that is. Oh, Elihu.
2: <laughs> Elihu,
0: yeah.
3: Not in a million years would I have come up with that.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't think they ever said that in the movie, though.
3: I don't think so either. Mm.
0: No. Gambling's illegal at Bushwood and I never slice. <laughs> I mean, realistically, maybe it's because it's so old. I don't know if you could find another person to play that role like Ted Knight
3: did though. No, he, oh, he was he, just know that role. There's no question about it. Oh, he's just perfect, yeah. So
0: all right, we'll move on because I know like I said, I know he'll come up and I know another another Caddyshack guy will come up. So we'll get a little bit more into Caddyshack here in a little bit, but so we'll move on to Keith's number three which just happens to be shake and bake baby shake and shake and bake. bake
2: um yeah i mean you know the obvious uh, one in this uh would have been uh, will Ferrell, but I, I, I couldn't go with it uh, uh cause it was just too obvious but uh not <laughs> some of the lines in there when they're sitting around the dining room table you know and uh um, praying to praying to little baby jesus i like to yeah, i think of, i like
0: to think of my baby jesus with a with a tuxedo t-shirt on oh I, yeah i got it right with <laughs> out at the front <laughs>
2: because yeah, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to think of Jesus with giant eagle wings <laughs> and singing lead vocals <laughs> for Leonard Skinner, <laughs> and like an angel band. Like, uh,
1: how do they come up with this? That's got to be
2: ad lib too? Like, just just go, you know? Yeah, and, I just you know sit at the table and figure it out, you know, and
0: just start uh, rambling and whatever whatever the f- well you say twelve things and we'll cut the fun. You come back and tell us which one felt the best and. Sound of the best, and we'll cut that one.
2: Yeah, and, and you wonder, like, the shake and bake thing. I mean, was that actually scripted, or did they come up with that, and then they just ran with it the rest of the, you know, uh,
0: rest of the shoot? Uh, or, yeah, you know, like and Will, Will Ferrell's the sponsor for Big Red, and he goes, if you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was supposed, that was an ad. Yeah, and 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 the
2: kids. I mean, you know, when yeah. they, uh, you know, uh, yelling at grandpa. You know,
0: I'm gonna go eat shit on your ass. You know. <laughs> well, then not only that, he ends up stealing Will Ferrell's wife, Ricky Bobby's. Yeah, wife. that's
2: right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he's he's my number three. Yeah. All right.
1: Then you get into Step Brothers with the two same guys. Yeah.
0: There.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: When well, it works, it works, you know. It's just,
0: yeah. yeah it's my... I think some of the stuff that helps it is his afro. The curly, the curly afro also makes him just like that much funnier. I think for some reason, don't know why, but it does. Yeah. So my my number three, like I hey, said, we well, didn't
2: do we did, Matt. I think we skipped Matt, didn't we?
0: No, he went with Benny the Jet. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, you're good. So my number three is uh. Al Cervic, <laughs> some of the best lines, you know, in all of Caddyshack, whether it's this exact scene that we're looking at right now where he grabs that hat and says, what, do you get a free bowl of soup with this hat? And he looks back and Judge Smells has it on. He goes, oh, it looks good on you, though. And he rolls his eyes, or he's at dinner, and he tells him that he's had – this looks like he wouldn't feed this to his dog. And he says, it looks like the steak still has marks where the jockey was hitting it. And then he goes up to Smell's wife and says, oh, honey, you were probably something before electricity. It's like, he's just lying after lying after lying. Or he, it's a driving. weighing it's a parking lot. Yeah. It's a parking lot. Well, I was watching a little today and he, they're walking into the pro shop right before this scene happens. And he goes, now, Wayne, I think this is an exclusive club. So don't tell him you're Jewish. As he walks in, <laughs> yeah. well, Wang's Asian too, so like you know, but then he hits a drive, and it was right after he bet. smells about his uh, drive, saying hundred thousand bucks, you slice, and then uh, he hits a drive, and it hits smells right in the right in the nuts, and he goes, he yelled four, and then he looks at his caddy, goes,
3: oh oh, I should have yelled two. <laughs> So it he was just—he was, you know. like, was that crazy, You know, some of the ones like he scratched my anchor. You know, yeah, like yeah. that. They, <laughs> it just seemed to, like you said, they seemed like an add-on. like, like the yeah. line was there, and he just kept going. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> or the guys—they had just a basic idea of a movie, and it's just like, how do you, how do you reel in Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and Ronnie Dangerfield? Like, you yeah. can't, you can't even, you can't script it. You just be like,
0: okay, oh, this, no. is, this
1: is your character. Yeah, idea the movie, go. It's almost, go like,
0: it. it's almost like the director was like, okay, here's the line. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then they cut it, and he's like, you didn't say that line, but I can't even be mad because you just topped what I had written down on the paper mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just and his colors and his bags and like his bag, like all of that stuff, like <laughs> the putter that had like the scope on oh. it that told him like <laughs> exactly what to do, and then he hit a button and it just shot the ball, like... <laughs> you know yeah. and he talks about he's how chief, he's going to
3: the chief of police i built this condo yeah
0: i'm only here cuz i'm i may to buy this and it's like buy
3: bushwood you
0: know it's
2: and they are at the, the dinner and he and he says uh says, oh, what is this the dance
0: of the living dead hey.
2: yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> yeah he's uh i don't even like there's just there's so much from him and i think some of it is just like his voice also, like yeah. we said, Ted Knight, like the way his voice is like so like deep and like sounds like a, you know, guy that doesn't really know, a whole, like a normal guy that you would think that owns a construction business that doesn't really know a whole, wor- a lot of worldly things, but <laughs> has a lot of money would act. That's exactly <laughs> what he did and pulled off perfectly. Here at Sports Inviter, we're powered by MEP's place, the gathering place. We'll move on to Matt's number two, um, and it's, uh, it's Ducks Fly Together, Mr. Ducksworth.
1: Yeah. Again, another another movie from my, my childhood that has just, I mean, it's, it's withstood the test of time. It's great, right? Mighty Ducks. Uh, and Gordon Bombay, I, you know, the, the reckless lawyer that uh, has to coach these misfit kids and, uh, mm-hmm. And then he ends up you know like every Disney movie ends up kind of getting his, uh, his desire back for hockey after a few injuries and uh but it's it's one of those we would, we'd put on his kids and we'd watch them you know with their rollerblades on and we'd get all inspired and then after the movie we'd put our rollerblades on and try to go around town and uh play roller hockey out in the street and everything so it was uh it was just yeah, it's a great movie and uh, I feel like uh you know gordon bombay was was pretty solid uh Solid character in this too. I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, the the team with Goldberg and uh,
0: Abberman, uh,
1: Banks. Banks. Banks is the yeah the the kid that didn't got stuck on the team because of where he lived, and his dad tried to get him off. But yep. uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's a fun movie. But uh, yeah, Gordon Bombay was uh,
0: can't was complain. Can't complain on that one. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on to Dave's number two. <laughs> Um, this white man, he
3: could jump. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's the, my list too. He's like seven. <laughs> what's cool about this movie for me is this: it's this movie's all about the hustle. This is this is nothing to do with basketball. It could have been any any other sport. I mean, when yeah, like said, I think I've mentioned a few that when I was young, I used to bowl a lot for a lot of money, shoot pool for a lot of money, and there are hustlers out there everywhere some of which all talk and no game, and some of which, they'll just beat the crap out of you, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, no matter how good you are whatever you're doing, somebody better than you is sitting right around the corner, and there's nothing better than that. I, you know, first off, I don't think this movie would play today. Um, the language alone in it would probably keep it off off the air. Both, know, yeah, both, same
0: thing with Caddyshack, too. Yeah, <laughs> well, this one's a little <laughs>
3: This one may be a little more sensitive right now. Well, um, you know, and, and Billy, the character of Billy Hoyle, you know, the the dumb hick from you know wherever and stuff like that, and Sidney Dean, who is your your, your slick talking black kid from you know from the urban playground, who you know I think one line in the movie is so basically he, he turned down an opportunity for Michael Jordan, you know, or something like that to play him and something. It, it's you go through this and it's just. The repartee back and forth between all of the characters in this movie just reminds me of a lot that I saw live in in different sports, and I think I mentioned before some of the kids in in Chicago that you know, like Ronnie Fields, who he you know he could have been Sidney Dean in in this movie Um, and stuff like that. And it just it's so good. I mean, I mean the other thing is people didn't realize beforehand. Woody Harrelson uh, grew up in Indiana. Was a pretty damn good basketball player, you know. He he, he could play really, really well, uh, play defense, pass things like that. So he didn't have to do a whole lot to step the game up but, you know, to play in here, and, like and you know, they you know, to take these advantage of some of these you know the LA streak, you know, the streak game and stuff like that, and win. And then to win in the final, the final match at the end, at the end, they win on an alley oop dunk thrown to Harrelson. Harrelson, I guess, trained for that for like six months and never dunked in his life and So, and finally got his vertical to the point where he could do that at, at the end. But, you know, it's you know, Rosie Perez in the middle of that too was also really good. I mean, they were just your, 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 your you know, two con artists with a, a cute girlfriend along with them and just some fun stuff uh, that was there. I uh, one of the few movies like, like that I did I really did enjoy. I, it's one of those movies I can it's one of, you know, like um A Smokey and the Bandit that you know, it's not a very good movie movie, but as a as a guilty pleasure I could sit and watch this movie anytime.
0: Do you think it was supposed to be a play on the the uh Larry Bird Magic Johnson
3: duo? At the, at the time at the time when that came out, yeah there 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 really there was some Backhanded comments in that in that vein, you know that you've got this, you know this dopey looking white kid that you know doesn't look like he could be the hick
0: from French Lick. What's that? The hick from French Lick was his nickname.
3: I I mean, it's exactly Mm -hmm. it, you know, and and, you know, obviously, as good as how good he was and stuff. At the time, it played that way because it it worked out. You know, it's yeah, you know, it's stuff. I they didn't do a lot of stuff in the movie that was directly related to that other than the fact that, you know, I, I'm not sure if, if, you know, Larry Bird ever played down his talents and stuff like that. Um, he's a pretty confident guy. <laughs> like that. Uh, whereas Woody, you know, Woody Harrelson, you know, he played the part of the, you mean you want me to play basketball? Yeah. So that, you know, when somebody starts talking like that before you're getting ready to play, whether you're going out to play basketball or shoot some pool or roll, you know, both some games, uh, you've probably been taken. Run,
0: run, sure. run, and run. Yeah. Hide, hide your
3: money and get the hell out of there because you've been <laughs> had. <happy. laughs>
0: so, uh, you know, a lot
3: of people don't, don't get it. So that is, like I said, for me, just fun. But the, like the language used in there, you know, some of the, you know, the terms that were thrown around, I, I don't think it would fly. Today. I think it would be a problem. And, it's
0: a shame that it would be a problem because the movie works. Yeah, it was, it's a good movie, right? Again, we kind of talked about it when we talked about our favorite fictional sports movies, period, but it's also one of the most like iconic movie posters of recent memory with just him and Wesley Snipes just standing there on the chain link fence with their arms crossed and holding a basketball, you know, it's,
3: they looked apart. I mean, they they looked and talked apart. It was, it, it didn't seem a stretch. Well, if you think about it,
0: so so far Wesley Snipe has been in two of the movies that we've talked about, probably the longest, with this and uh, Major League being Willie Mays Hayes.
3: So yeah,
0: he had a big he had a big uh,
3: big career for that. Well, obviously he obviously was a pretty good athlete. Yeah. So oh yeah. Show off some of that, you know, some of that talent along with it, which didn't hurt him any. No, not at all.
0: All right, so we'll move on to Keats number two. So, Keats number two.
2: So, yeah, Crash Davis. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Kevin Costner's got to be in here somewhere just because uh, between uh, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, Tin Cup, uh, I'm trying to think, although I don't know if, the one where he's a Cleveland Browns general manager draft
0: day. Yeah. Yeah, Is that fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction because I don't think anybody would ever pull off moves like that, but you never know, I guess, if you're trading, if you're trading with uh, Ryan Pace.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Pace would up you, would up himself by throwing in an extra draft pick to move up one.
0: (laughs) Well, that's pretty much what the Seattle Seattle guy did in this in that draft day movie he's got everything he wanted and then gave it all back plus some you know some yeah
2: and there may be maybe some other uh Kevin Costner sports movies that yeah, I can't I'm think, of. To think. Uh, um, but yeah this movie is just uh it's a classic and uh he's the uh linchpin to the whole thing of course and uh you know between uh his uh relationship with uh Annie uh Susan Sarandon and then, um, you know, Nick Lelouch, uh, trying to guide him, uh, to the, uh, to the major leagues and, uh, all the different, uh, uh the things he's trying to teach him, uh, the scene where he tells him strikeouts are boring, besides that they're fascist, um, which I'm sure Nick Lelouch doesn't uh, understand, um, and then his, uh, the scene where he's uh, talking about uh, just one more dying quail a week and you're in Yankee stadium, you know, and then uh, when he was talking about his uh, 21 days, he was in the, uh, in the show, the uh, 21 best days of his, of his life. So. Uh, or he's telling a, him the
0: guy, you know, Nick shakes him off a couple of times. He goes, okay, fastball's coming.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guy hits home run and he, and he says, uh, what what is the, uh, uh, thank uh. Oh, speak highly of me when uh, or whatever. But yeah, gives him yeah. a fastball and then he jacks it out, and then uh, he goes out to the mound and says, "Man, anything that goes that far should uh, should have a stewardess," you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, no, yeah, and he pulls it off. You know, you talk about pulling it off. He he looks like he knows what he's doing too. You know, uh, for for the most part, for the most part.
0: Yeah and I mean again for him to be in so many sports movies like he's he's got to have some athletic ability like Tin Cup doesn't look like it's you know an ugly swing like you see in some golf mm-hmm. movies where the guy doesn't know what he's doing or when he's trying to mm-hmm. throw a baseball for the love of the game is another one he's in where he's Oh just that's right pitcher. yeah. You know so like when he's when he's throwing a baseball it doesn't look bad so yeah he's same thing with Wesley Snipes. He's got to have some sort of uh, athletic bone in his body that's pretty pretty decent. Yeah, because you can only fake that so much. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's my uh, my number two. All right, so my number two is a, another uh, Ducks Fly Together guy, and it's Charlie Conway, Captain Duck himself. Um, you know, whether it's the triple deke or becoming a player coach when – Gordon Bombay in two gets his head too big and jumps on the Hendricks sports bandwagon and misses games. And Charlie takes over. He's leading the team in D3 at uh, Eden Hall and he scores the game winner. You know, it's, I don't know. The guy was a captain of my team growing up. That's what my team was the Ducks, the Mighty Ducks, you know, not the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, the Disney Mighty Ducks. So and he was a captain, he was, the goal scorer, he was the guy that always seemed to somehow win the game or pass the puck back to Goldberg, who was no longer playing goalie when they beat Varsity in D three, you know. And it was Charlie Conway.
1: They were just there, some good characters. Yeah, in the
0: movie all Abraham. You know, there. Who was the girl
1: goalie too? The girl goalie was
0: Jesse the Cat.
1: Yeah, the cat. You had (laughs) Dean
0: Portman and the Bash brothers, Dean Portman and uh, Fulton Reed. You had, what, Kenny Wu in the first one. And you had Jesse Hall. And then you added Luis Mendoza. And there was, you know.
1: Is that the Cowboy?
0: The Cowboy? Yeah. uh, Um,
1: Yeah, they couldn't stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mendoza couldn't stop. Um, Yeah, and then, you know you have the best part of the scene where they beat varsity, or best part of the whole series, they beat varsity, and the Eden Hall Warriors become the Eden Hall Ducks, and they all look up, and Conway goes, Bombay did that, as Gordon walks right down the tunnel and leaves.
4: Yeah. so So
0: They're apparently making a fourth, so I don't know. uh, Yeah, I don't know what that'll entail, if it'll be them playing college hockey, and they're all Look like they're well older than college or what? I don't. I don't really know how that's going to work out, but we'll see. So we'll move on um, to everybody's number one. Um, it says Matt, but I'll just kind of let Matt and Dave take this since you both had the same number one, um, and it was uh, Rocky Balboa. No. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's just an iconic. Whole series, I mean, however many years, this has been going on. The Rocky franchise—it's just great with the underdog, the whole underdog story. You know, pounding the meat and running up the stairs, and Yo Adrian, even like Apollo Creed, and, and like Dave said earlier with Mick in the corner—it's it, just all the character building in the story is so—it's just so—it's—it's it's perfect, you know. It's the, the underdog, the guy in the neighborhood is coming and. Uh, trains against you know Apollo Creed or Ivan Drago throughout the whole series. And he got the special treadmill with the breathing thing, and then he's you know doing pull-ups in his basement or whatever, running behind the bike. It's just you know, it's great. the the whole The whole Rocky franchise is so fun to watch. It it, it you know you watch some of the fights back in the day. It was a little better. You watch them now, and it it still holds up. But they're, they're so dramatic you know, with like the, just the punches and the falls and the, uh, it's, but it's great. I mean, you watch it and you can't like get, you know, eye of the tiger in music and just the scenes are just so captivating. You, you still get excited to watch even though you know what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. And it's not just about the, uh, the, 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 the matches, you know, I mean, you get all the, uh, subplots, you know, with, uh, Adrian and, um, Adrian's, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, the, the brother, uh, um, and uh, well, and like Dave mentioned earlier, Mick, you know, I mean, you got all those interesting stories that just layer and make makes it a um, what well, makes it a great movie, you know, not just a sports movie, but a, a movie.
3: Well, it, it adds on also to the time period when it was made. It, it was, I mean, we all know, you know, Apollo Creed is Muhammad Ali. I mean, there's. It doesn't take a real stretch of the imagination to get from one to the other. The same boxing style, the same size, the same attitude, the attitude, and the same beating the crap out of everybody. he makes is so much bigger, so much quicker. So you had that as a a subplot early on. You know, the everyman, you know, from the streets of South Philly, you know, going to, you know to fight the the mouth of the South, and you know some of that. And, they, and then you know, by the time the series is over, that changes to the point where after Creed dies at the hands of the Russian, you, you basically got Rocky taking on the the Cold War
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, at that point. And then you know, when he wins, when and that's so you've got this you know, every man character who's got all kinds of flaws and you know, now has you know, seeing problems and hearing problems and all this kind of stuff like that. And but he was. He was just a loyal, solid kind of guy. I mean, it, you know, everybody knew one of these guys hanging in, you know, in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And he, you know, he made the most of his life. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's the one, during the one part during one of the talks with Mickey. I remember, it, Mickey told him something about it. Rocky mentioned something about where he was working. He said, "It's a job. It's a good job," and Mickey told him it's a waste of a life. You know, because you have so much potential and stuff like that. So, I mean, throughout that whole series, it was fighting stuff bigger than than, than he was not and really bigger than he could understand,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know, at that point. So, it's, you know, it's, it, I, I don't know how they could have done it any better. I mean, to the, the point where at least I think it's still there. You, know, you actually have a statue in Philadelphia. You know, yeah. that's from like a movie character. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you have a
1: movie that changes the actual sport or, yeah, something in real life
0: transcends. Well, I mean, like, he, yeah, he was, I mean, he's Philly through and through, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, he is a prototypical Philadelphian with attitude, look,
3: style of talking, all of it is. Corner, he's a corner boy from, from uh, South Philly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, I got three of those, uh really you lot, man.
0: Exactly.
3: Yeah, you know, and how do you how do you not root for a guy like that at that that point and stuff and you know, but like you said, you hope that would there would be the same amount of enthusiasm today. don't know, and stuff like that, but yeah, you know, even you know, up till this point, you know, like kind of like Matt was talking about, a lot of people in Philly relate to this guy. Mm -hmm. yep
0: yeah and plus if they want to remake it they can just cast Colton Pareko as Drago and we'll be good oh
2: my gosh is that the truth or what all
0: right so we'll we'll move on to Keith's number one um I told you guys we'd get back to him uh so here he is
2: So. That that's a great uh, photo because of the whole scene there. You know about the story
0: with the Dalai Lama. Yep. Uh, <laughs> On my deathbed, I will regain full consciousness. So I got that going for me. I got that going me. for me. Uh,
2: you know, I mean, to me, uh, this, um, uh, with all due respect to everybody else, this is kind of like our conversation a couple weeks ago with, uh, um, you know, the NHL. You know, where it was just Wayne Gretzky and like, duh. Uh, this is, to me is like. Duh! I mean, he's just like the guy. This is the character uh, for so many reasons, and uh, we've already talked about some of them. But uh, you know, the, the the scene outside the clubhouse when it's starting to rain, or you know, he's he's uh, hitting the uh, the flowers. You know, well, oh, he he's got about story. a two iron or so. Yeah. to you know, yeah. you know, and then, then of course he goes out
3: with the uh, uh, the bishop and.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think the heavy stuff's coming down for quite some time now.
3: And who doesn't use that line when you're out golfing in the rain, yeah? You know, oh, or just God.
0: anywhere where you're—it's raining. And you're like, oh, I don't think the heavy stuff's gonna come down for uh, a while. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, it's just endless. And uh, you know, uh, uh, the the scene when he's talking to the gopher, and you know. Yeah. Oh, he starts singing the song and
0: uh where he's talking to sandy and sandy says i want you to kill all the golfers on the car of course and he's like well, excuse me uh, sir if i kill all the golfers they're gonna lock me up and throw away the key <laughs> no the golfers not the golfers the brown little furry things oh the the well, golfers. yeah you could have just said that that's a lot easier than killing golfers <laughs> yeah and again like we were talking earlier
2: i mean how much of that was actually scripted and how much of that was just him you yeah. know yeah and, uh, I mean, but it's uh, – yeah, so for me, I mean, this is like uh, – it's a slam dunk landslide, uh, you know, it's uh, got to be Carl.
0: I mean, I can bet I know a part of the movie that wasn't exactly scripted is when he's washing the guy's balls and he's watching the uh, ladies <laughs> golf and he's like, oh, yeah, bend over.
2: Mrs. Lubner, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're in, we're in green, my favorite color, oh.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he's now he's not turning this into a company. I mean, he turned that character into his own golf life, uh, with shirts I mean, and hats and, and you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to have one of his golf shirts. To be honest with
0: you. Yeah, don't they go for like a hundred and forty though? They're, yeah, they even at sale.
3: They're over hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's I mean, no I'd dummy. He's no and dummy. Hats and everything else. So he's doing all right with it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, if he wasn't a Cubs fan I'd like him a little bit more, but you know he's, he's still all right.:
3: We do have some pretty cool fans right?
0: <laughs> So kind of what Keith was saying with his number one, my number one to me was also a uh, no doubt slam dunk. Um, it's uh Reggie Dunlop. <laughs> So, there's no way I could leave Slapshot off of this list. Yeah. Um, Now, knowing that two of you guys already had Carl on there, that's why I ended up going with Rodney Dangerfield's character. So, realistically, if I were doing it not knowing, I would have had uh, Carl as my number two behind Reggie Dunlop, but I ended up switching it a little bit just so we had more guys to talk about and more lines to – Quote from the movie um, but I don't know player coach Reggie Dunlop just uh, some of his lines some of the stuff he does I don't know it, it Slapshot again is one of my well, I think it's my all time favorite uh, fictional sports I know there's still some sort of realness to it when it comes to like the Hansons and the Iron League stuff but it's, let's be real. There, this this wasn't exactly – there was a lot of li- – there was more liberties taken than you can call <laughs> liberties for a non-fictional story. Um, but, you know, whether it's him in bed with Hannerhan's wife and he's skating around the net the next night yelling at Hannerhan saying, she's a lesbian, a lesbian. I know, I know. <laughs> and then Hannerhan chases him down or he's <laughs> – you know he's talking to talking to um, Joe McGrain or Joe McGuire, and he's like they brought their place the nice with them. You know it's just, or he's calling Dave. Dave's a killer because he went after Ogie Oglethorpe and he got his lip busted up and I don't know. There's a couple guys you could have picked from that movie, but I think you know Paul Newman was a ringleader of that. And plus, he spent, like, four months learning how to skate so he actually could look like a decent yeah, thing is
3: You look The you look at the character, who sees Paul Newman in this role when they're casting it? I mean, I mean, it, yeah. they're casting this character. I mean, who can, Who says, oh, what about what what Paul Newman's doing? You
0: know? Well, and now, though, can you see anybody else playing it? Like No.
2: No, he owns it. Yeah. No, it just fits. It just fits. Like, and, I mean, and, you know, I, I mean, you mentioned he he, he uh, trained for four months. I didn't know that because one of my observations of it was like, oh, man, he's doing his own stuff there. I yeah, mean, you like, know, he looks like he knows what he's
0: doing. Growing up, I knew him more as Reggie Dunlop than Paul Newman. I would, like, see him in other <laughs> stuff and be like, oh, Reggie Dunlop's in that movie. I don't <laughs> know the guy's real name, but it's Reggie Dunlop. You know, same type of thing. Like, it, he just had that, like, he's got that, you know, that – it factor when it comes to yeah well he just movie. he looks like like, uh, yeah. like like
2: the kevin costner uh, in bull durham i mean he just looks like the hockey lifer yeah you know bull uh, you know kevin costner looks like the, the baseball lifer you know
0: yeah yeah and again he's just some of the most memorable things that that happened in that movie he's always a part of it whether it's saying a guy from I, they were supposed to be modeled after the North Stars. Was so drunk he was going to pee himself, and then somebody goes and checks the guy in the corner, and he pees himself anyways. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just a movie that like I cry laughing to every single time I watch it, and it'll—I don't think it'll ever change. Same thing with Caddyshack. Same
3: thing with Major League. Um, you know, yeah, I, I love Caddyshack. It came in that era some of the comedies that came out uh, at that time that were just, they were one after another rapid fire and you had animal house and you had airplane and you had, yeah. Uh, yeah. And these right, things yeah. just, they just rolled. I mean, you had, for the two hours you were in the movie theater, you were entertained the entire two hours. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and, they, and they were fun. They were just fun movies.
0: Well, yeah, I think, and I think that's one thing like Caddyshack. Yeah. It's based around golf. But Slapshot's kind of Slapshot has more of the hockey element than Caddyshack has golf. Yes. Yeah, but they're more they're more comedies than they are like actual sports movies, which I think is why they work so much. And Major League I think works so well is because it was later, and it kind of it did the same thing Caddyshack and Slapshot did with all the comedy stuff, but then it threw in just a little bit more sport to where it like wasn't the exact same as those two. You know, because every other sport movie, or every other baseball movie at that time was a serious baseball movie, whether it
4: was,
0: yeah, it's yeah. You know, the Natural, Field of Dreams, yeah. you know that type of stuff. So these were these were fun. I think I could have had a couple more. I know Dave has a uh, dishonorable mention that, uh,
3: oh. and I and I can hold it. Up. I'll, I'll just mention it just briefly. I only would have brought it up if if somebody would have brought it up as a top four. Uh, Freaking Rudy. Yeah, that was there.
4: Oh. I had,
3: to, I had to, the whole interview with Joe Montana basically talking about what a load of crap that movie was. <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, not only, like I said, I have to suffer through it once, but, you know, I'd be able to say it was good management uh, training material. I had to sit through an entire session with like, the, all the, the whole executive team from Chicago. And it was one of the more painful experiences of my life. <laughs> so that, uh, and it was, uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of more domers So I mean, you, you had just keep your mouth shut and pop corn to go home. Mm. Uh, at least, but yeah, uh, it's it, it is it it was a made up, you know, a lot, you know, story about something that really sort of kind of didn't did happen. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: but yeah, you know, some of the other stuff that was, I mean, if I was a Notre Dame fan, I'd be pissed off the way they made. It made the coaches look at stuff like that because they made them look like idiots and and you know they weren't,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as a Mizzou fan, I'm mad because that was a Mizzou guy, a former Mizzou guy that was there as the coach of Notre Dame at the time. It was, yeah. uh, era per season, was it was it him at the time or was I it mean, uh, I mean, no, Dan Devine? Yeah, Dan Devine, Devine
3: after after yeah. per season, yeah, yeah, who they stole from Northwestern, but that's another story.
0: Who, per season.
3: Parcells, he coached Northwestern before he coached Notre Dame, which is why when they were chasing Gary Barnett when he was here, I was like, uh, uh not twice, baby. I know they won't get Fitzgerald because they turned him down for a scholarship. So he's anytime they call, he's got the big finger up for him. So (laughs) Uh,
0: any other honorable mentions? I know the only other guy I had, I said Happy Gilmore, but I had another Adam Sandler character, Bobby Boucher. Just because The Water Boy was a funny movie, also. Yeah. Outside yeah. of outside of most of the movies we've already covered, at least. Yeah, and I had
3: I you know, I didn't do a much on it, but I had I had to put it down because I actually did like that, you know, that movie. I had basically most of the cast from the entire first Mighty Ducks movie. Mm-hmm. I I just thought that movie worked so well.
1: One movie, yeah. there there were a couple that so like um Teen Wolf was uh, was one that came. Out. I you know I don't think it's higher than any of the guys there, But that was that was a funny movie. I like that one to watch. It was uh, the character. I mean, it's just so bizarre. <laughs> the character, then the family is all wolves. I am. But the one movie that you know, and it goes back to Woody Harrelson. I was going to bring it up. Uh, the movie Kingpin. Oh, with, I hear I that also. I mean, right. with Bill Murray in there, I mean, that is such a great movie to watch them go back and forth. And he's bowling with a rubber hand because he lost his hand <laughs> in a bet. They shoved it into the ball return. Like that, that whole movie. And you know, he's, he's coaching some Amish kid. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: it's
1: so out there, but
0: it's such a great movie. So yeah. those characters were, were pretty good. They were close to making. And then Dodgeball is another one. Yeah, yeah. Dwight oh, well, that yeah. <laughs> Gooden, or not Dwight? What was his? Pat uh, Patches <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like just so funny. Well, speaking of the Woody Harrelson basketball, I was thinking when you said that, I was thinking semi-pro and Jackie Moon with Will Ferrell. Oh yeah.
3: Not you. Well I, I, I did have one other thing that I had in my notes. I I was trying to get to it. I couldn't remember it exactly. Didn't want to quote it. Uh during White Man Can't Jump, Bob Lanier did a lot of the training for the, the two guys for the basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they were basically done playing, either one of them could have been a division three starter at that point. So kind of put where their skills were. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's it's not so bad. You know, that, that, yeah. yeah, it's not over, overestimated. He I mean, said Snipes' athletic skills were far superior. But his basketball game, he said Woody's game was actually maybe even better than his. Hmm. So, but yeah, Division Three starters, not bad. No, um, not at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm.
0: And then yeah, I had this listed as like a cast that – I think it's just because I like the movie so much, but anybody – any football player you want to take from Varsity Blues, whether it's John Moxon or uh, Lance Harbor or Tweeter or Billy Bob, like that movie itself was, it was a funny movie. It was college or it was high school football in the big state of Texas. And, you know, Tweeter was, Tweeter was a normal high school big time whiteout who uh, liked to party, drink and do a lot of other drugs. And it was funny. Another
1: one that came up when I was doing a little bit of research too is the 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 Big Lebowski, and I didn't really yeah. strike me too. I mean, it's there is sports in it, but it's.
0: it's I didn't like, think I well, saw that too. I didn't think it was too much of a sports movie, but. I mean, they
1: bowled and you know, they, you know, they competed in terms. Which was, I mean, that cast was pretty good too with Steve and Jeff Bridges, and John Goldman. Yeah. You know, I mean, jeez, yeah, that was that's a great. I love watching that movie, so I just want to get the ride. That rug really tied the room together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, there's, there is an awful awful lot of different characters we picked. We kind of picked some of the same movies, but some of those mm-hmm. movies just have so many characters that it, uh, it all works, and that's what makes a, probably what makes that movie that great is, is that ability um so I think that about wraps up today's episode all right all right talk next week see you guys
4: see you.
0: thank you for listening to the sports Divided podcast don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram I'm all good